beloved by God, and welcome to worship on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost. We are nearing the end of our summer series, The Tree of Life. This is week eight of ten, and today we focus on the glory of the cross and the salvation Jesus won for us on Calvary. For our friends worshiping online or on the radio, a reminder to go to our website, chapelofthecross.org, and you'll find the bulletin for this service under the Resources tab, and you'll find options for giving offerings to the Lord under the Give tab. Just a few brief announcements as we prepare for worship. We again welcome Reverend Dr. Pete Jerkin to our pulpit this morning. If you remember from last week, Pastor Jerkin is developing editor at Concordia Publishing House, and we are delighted that he is with us again today, and we welcome him back to Chapel of the Cross. Thank you, Pastor Jerkin, for being with us. This being the first weekend of the month, we have a director of the week. This weekend, our director of the week is Ryan Cleveland. She's over here in the choir loft. Greet her today as one of our directors. Our elder of the week is Matt Gar. He's also in the choir loft today, joining the summer choir. Matt will also be greeting you after worship today. Get to know him as one of your elders here at Chapel of the Cross. And now may God bless us as we worship this day. We begin our worship by singing together our opening hymn, The God of Abram Praise, number 798 in our hymnal, and we stand to sing.
and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. Amen. Testament reading is from the 15th chapter of Genesis. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household would be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. 
he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, your righteousness. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, despite all its great strength it cannot save. of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to, li to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you.
epistle is from the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as did, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, 
for he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Two other men, both criminals, who were also out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, God, chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you for another week as we go through this Tree of Life sermon series. This perspective, 30,000-foot perspective on God's epic plan of salvation accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. And here in week eight, we see the climax of this plan of salvation. We see Jesus on the cross for you and me, suffering in our place. This thing that is the heart and center of the Christian faith. It all relies on this. It all ties back to this. So much of our language, so much of our conversation, so much of our worship, so much of our art ties back to the cross. And yet, we can't help but when we look at the gospel lesson and we think about the cross, we can't help but think it all sounds a little familiar. I mean, after all, we talk about this all the time. There probably isn't a sermon that you've heard, or very few sermons, that haven't brought up the cross. We see this, as I said, in our art. I'm wearing one around my neck. It's up front. We hang it in our homes. We put it on our bulletins. Our church year, every year, we spend all of Lent, essentially, preparing us to think and talk about the cross. Good Friday is all about the cross. You catch my drift. We hear things like the gospel lesson for today with very familiar things like the thief on the cross, them gambling over Jesus' clothes, the sign, the king of the Jews, and we hear it over and over and over again. It's easy for this to lose its power and its majesty and its importance for us because it almost seems routine to talk about the cross. But I guess that's the point of going through this series, going through this tree of life, is to take a step back and see where the cross fits, to see where it fits within God's great plan of salvation that began at the beginning and will end at the end of all things, with Jesus at the center. And so, to get a better view of the cross this morning, we take a step back and look at where we've been on this journey through God's plan of salvation. The first week of this sermon series began in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve, the first humans, were in trouble. God had created them perfect. He'd given them the perfect place to live. He'd given them purpose to love him and serve and love and enjoy creation without suffering, without pain, without death, but to enjoy his creation. But Satan came in and tempted them to disobey God, to join in Satan's rebellion against the Creator and they fell into temptation. And with their fall into temptation, with their sin, 
came sin, brokenness, suffering, and death to this creation. It was fractured. God's great creation was now corrupted through the actions of Adam and Eve. And they were in trouble. They brought this upon themselves. And God cursed Adam and Eve. This is the consequence of their sin. That they would have to struggle for survival. There would be pain in childbearing. And we would all end up dead. Yet God also cursed the serpent. God cursed Satan that day, the deceiver who had come and tempted Adam and Eve to join in that rebellion. God cursed Satan that day and said, one day a descendant, an offspring of Adam and Eve will crush your head. He will crush your power. One of the descendants of Adam and Eve is going to undo the damage that you have done, Satan, will restore things and take away the power that you had over them. And so the story of salvation began. That very thing which is the heart and center of the Christian faith, which is Scripture, God's people waiting from generation to generation for this promise to be fulfilled, the offspring of Adam and Eve who would crush Satan's power. And though the picture is somewhat unclear to how that will happen, they clung to that hope and that promise. And then from generation to generation, they waited until God finally called Abram to be the father of a great nation. That was week two of this sermon series. God called Abram a man, called him out of his land and gave him many promises, many blessings. The direct descendant of Adam and Eve passed from generation to generation, waiting, clinging to that promise of the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, the chosen one. And God gave Abram very many blessings, blessed him with great wealth and success, but he had no children. And it would seem like God's promise to restore creation through the Chosen One would come to an end without a child. But God gave Abram and Sarah a child in their old age, and they rejoiced. God's promises would come to pass. And then God did the unthinkable and asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, to kill his own son, this abomination in God's sight. God called Abraham to do this very thing outside of his understanding. But Abraham was about to do it. He was about to fulfill that thing God had commanded him to do. And God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. And yes, this was a test for Abraham, a test of his faith. But in an even greater way, God was showing his faithfulness. God had promised Adam and Eve that the Messiah would come. And despite all the things that Abraham did not understand, even God's command, God was not going to let that promise slip away. And Abraham, the sacrifice of his son Isaac, that whole narrative we learn of God's mercy and his faithfulness, despite so much confusion in this world. 
And then we skipped ahead another 500 years after the time of Abraham and God's people again were in trouble. This time they were in slavery in Egypt. They were in bondage to the great king, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, one of the most powerful people on the planet. They were enslaved to him. But God chose Moses and spoke through Moses to go and deliver the people from slavery. And God's word came to Pharaoh through Moses, and Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not listen to God. And as a punishment for Pharaoh not listening to God, God would send his judgment on the people of Egypt. The firstborn would be killed by the angel of death in that the tenth plague. And God revealed his judgment against sin, against Pharaoh, that sin would have its consequences. Brokenness, disobedience has its consequences, God's judgment and wrath. Yet God also showed his mercy to his people, who could sacrifice a lamb and paint that blood on their doorposts, and the angel of death would pass over, even in the midst of God showing his justice and his judgment against sin, God was also showing mercy. And he led his people out of slavery towards the promised land. And then we looked 500 years later, and God's people were again in trouble. Under King Saul, they were surrounded by the Philistines. And there was the champion Goliath, who stood in front of the army of Israel and challenged them and mocked God. And no one from that army, not even the king himself, was brave enough to go and challenge that champion in single combat until God raised up David, his anointed one, his chosen one, set aside to do those things which the people would not and could not do. And that young man, David, went into single combat with that champion, Goliath, and defeated him in single combat, not through strength of his own arms, but because God had chosen him for that task. And God defeated the enemy of his people through his servant David. And we see in this picture how God chose and rose up, raised up his anointed one to go and fight on behalf of a people who could not and would not be able to do it themselves. And then we looked 500 years later, and God's people were again in trouble. God's people, through the lines of kings, had undergone so much, but ultimately they rejected God, and now they were in exile. A small remnant of people led into exile in Babylon, and it would seem like God's promise started at the beginning of the Garden of Eden was over. They no longer had their land. There were only few of them left in exile. Yet God remained faithful to his promise. And there was a small core of people who clung to that promise of the Messiah, including Daniel. And when God's people in exile in Babylon were told that they had to worship the gods of Babylon, including the king, Daniel did not give up worship of the true God. And because of that, was sentenced to death. And he was lowered down into the den of lions. But we know how that story goes. God shut the mouth of the lions 
Then the next day, Daniel rose from that den. Death had not defeated him. And God demonstrated here in Daniel that he is God of the dead and God of the living. He has power over all things. And so when we see Jesus, we go forward another 500 years. And now here is Jesus hanging on the cross. Yes, a very familiar sight to us, but in light of all this, we see Jesus as the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. We see him as the fulfillment of God's promises. All these things that made up the Old Testament stories, narratives, and accounts come to a head in Jesus Christ, the one who is the direct descendant from that line of Adam and Eve, traced from generation to generation to generation to generation. The book of Matthew begins by tracing Jesus' lineage all the way back to Adam because he is the fulfillment of that promise made in the garden, the one who would crush Satan's head. Jesus is the one who is the substitute sacrifice. He is the one who is the Lamb of God. And in Jesus on the cross, we see both God's justice and his mercy. His judgment of sin on the whole world, that which we deserve because of our disobedience, suffering, hell, death. We see Jesus in his body absorbing these things into himself. And we see God's mercy. Out of God's great love for us, Jesus there on the cross gives us the gift of his death and his life. In Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. You have the forgiveness of sins. Jesus going up there on the cross, doing what we could not and would not do, just like David going up against Goliath, one man against all the enemies of God's people, standing in the gap and fighting for us and overcoming sin, death, and hell for us. And just as God raised Daniel from that den of lions, in an even greater way, God raised his anointed chosen one, Jesus Christ, from death. Death could not overcome him. And as Jesus died and rose again, so too we who die in Christ will be raised on the last day. We have the gift of eternal life. He is the God who conquers death. And so in this light, we see all of God's promises fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We see how the Old Testament fits together to give us a greater picture of what Jesus has done for us. And we who are here now, 2,000 years later, can still look back at God's faithfulness and marvel at the cross, rejoice in our salvation and our forgiveness and the life that God has given us because we see that God took that cross, that tree of death, and through Jesus Christ transformed it into the tree of life. And that life is ours now and forever. And with this in mind, may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in this very same Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
We rise and join in confessing this Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed as printed on page 7. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We receive the offerings of God's people. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, your Son humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Fix the faith of your church fast upon his death for our salvation. Enrich the proclamation of this gospel and enliven our lives and our hearts to live out this faith until Christ comes again in his glory. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, guide your church in the care of the poor, the unemployed, and all in need, that from the abundance you have entrusted to us, we may extend your care to those around us. Bless the places where your people gather around your word to learn and grow, and bless your church with a zeal for the 
the lost and the lonely, the outreach and evangelism plans and programs and hearts that we have. We pray that our congregation would faithfully share the love of Christ in this community and throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, give wisdom to our President Joe Biden and those who serve us at every level of government. Bless the men and women of our armed forces and bring peace everywhere. War and violence reign. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, come near to the sick, the suffering, the hospitalized, those suffering depression and mental illness, the grieving and the dying. We especially bring before you this day a friend of Nancy Svoboda, Sandy Steffens. Grant your comfort, your aid, your peace that passes understanding, and if it be your will, your healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you this day for the blessings of this past summer, the weeks of summer camp, and the camp now has come to a close for the summer. We pray that your blessing would be upon those campers who attended. And we ask that the word that had been sowed in their hearts and shared with them might bring forth a growing faith to flourish in the hearts of your children. We thank you for the blessing of the camp counselors and the directors and all who were involved in the important ministry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, Lord God, at this special time of the year, many of our children are returning to school. We ask the blessings of your protection and guidance and presence as they grow emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Bless also the teachers and school administrators and support staff as they prepare for yet another year of school. Grant to them wisdom, patience, and love. Lord, in your mercy. And now, O oh Lord, we commend to your hands ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we join in the prayer you gave us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.